0: tutorial we we'll like live we'll do it live we'll do it live on the era tutorial for everyone to welcome greg bergman and he as he as he tries to go full screen because he wants to see more bergman That's on his screen look I let's just make want to let's get something clear
1: thing. let's get something clear greg on this yeah. show you're actually not the boss and therefore can't get the big square anymore Let, let's get something oh. straight
2: no, it's always been you guys. You guys were always the bosses. I just want to stretch it out so that all these <laughs> things are, like, on the entire thing. And I, you would think I would know how to do something like this since, you know, I did send this for a little while, and but I can't. I don't know what I'm doing.
0: That's all totally right. Totally lost. Totally uh, lost. It- it is. Oh, I like that one. It is the late night happy hour. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, of course, joined tonight by Greg Bergman of Seven Ten ESPN Fame. Um, it is the first time we've spoken to you in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty one. How's it going for you?
2: It's uh, you know, it's it's been it's been a year so far. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's
2: only eleven days, so you know. It's, it's, have you it's noticed not bad, a significant
0: not difference between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one? Yet I have not. <laughs> no,
2: no. There's. Uh, if anything, it's just gotten a little crazier. That's about how
0: it is. You know what's
1: crazy, though? Like, I mean, beyond just this year thus far, does not seem to be settling down as I think everybody hoped. It dawned on me a few days ago when I was talking about this with Brian. We have been in this pandemic state for almost a year. Yeah, like we we are closing in on a year. It's been about ten months. And we're almost at a year when we started even realizing that COVID could be a thing. Like it was, it wasn't being taken seriously uh, to the degree that it should have been. Clearly, in retrospect, but like we're we're basically at a year of coronavirus awareness, and like this year has both. Flown by How are you as a blur, start at
0: Coronavirus Awareness Week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what color? What color is that? Like, what color do we put for coronavirus awareness? <laughs> is, it, is that like a? Is that like a green? Like, what color? Do we put? I, I, it is
0: I crazy though. You're right though. I mean, it, it is. I believe it's like, a cute colored ribbon. Right. We're still yeah. not sure. I mean, I know we're going to get into baseball and a lot of the, the issues that baseball, you know, is facing in terms of money, spending all this other stuff. And part of the reason that they are where they are is they're still not entirely sure they're going to be fans in in stands for like the World Series even. Like, there still uncertainty about when people are going to be able to go see games. So like, this is the world we live in right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, it's it was March 11th when we all kind of went inside, right? So we're two months away. From
0: just yeah, from that, but like mole people. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: I, I was a mole person for the, for the first like six months of the pandemic, but yeah, it's gonna be crazy because I know uh, things are especially in baseball games. I don't know. I'm still not ready to go into a baseball game. Are you guys ready to go into anything? Any no, type of I'm barely
0: right ready. Uh, barely ready to go to Target.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> no, it's all no. delivered. Everything is delivered right. right now. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: I, I have yet to go to a game at Staples Center. Um, I've yeah. debated I've debated it, but then I've just it's funny. Like I've on one hand, I think it is it's weird to say this given everything the NBA is going through, but in terms of actually just going there to watch a game, given the way it's been described to me at Staples Center, you know Brian for example has been to one game. You have a very good shot at coming into contact with basically nobody. Oh, yeah, if, if, if that's the way you play. I mean, it's it, you can really keep yourself separated. That being said, like in terms of risks of any type that feel necessary at all or in the payoff, the payoff feels so low for going to a game because I'm not going to have any more access to players than I would just doing the stuff over Zoom. I just don't feel like taking that type of even relatively small risk because I just don't see what the reward is.
2: Right. Well, what's the? I mean, so I don't know. I haven't gone to Stable Center either. But can you sit in the stands? Probably not. No. When you're, God no, no. Right. Are you go. So you, you, you have to sit in the back.
0: You sit in like they have a, they have a ring of of tables set up around the hundred level. So between the hundred level and like whatever the the two hundreds. Is this ring of tables, and everybody has their own seat and you're separated and like you get 16, there and there's it's almost like you check into the hotel. there's like a little sign that says, like you know, this space has been sanitized by you know Lou oh, wow. or whoever came by to do it the other and you and you sit there and you don't go anywhere and it I went not because I, mean, I wasn't worried about the the risk I went because I wanted to kind of see what that experience was right. like. and it is genuinely bizarre. and kind of unsettling to be in an arena that big with where it's supposed to have that many people and there's nobody there. Like Andy said I I could have easily spent the entire time without spent without passing 20 feet inside another person's orbit. Easy. It was yeah, weird. I mean, the whole point of going is
2: kind of talking to people and interacting with different people and getting the access to the players and you know the ambiance of a the whole thing. And right now I just feel like why I don't have any desire to even go do that because I'm
1: not going to talk to anybody. No, I mean, it's interesting because going to Ralph's, for example, or going to a supermarket, the risk factor there is likely higher than anything I would deal with going to Staples Center, but I have more of a direct need to actually go to a supermarket. Like people in my family need to eat at some point, so I'm going to have to pick some stuff up. So there's certain things you do where you feel like the risk factor is definitely higher but there's actually a reason to do it. Like I just I don't have a reason to go to Staples Center to take in to take in this thing. I I feel like at this point I've watched enough games that in empty yeah. buildings that I have an idea yeah. what it's like.
0: I did it once yeah. it was interesting. I don't need to do it again. So Got the, the only
2: reason I would go though is for their soft serve because the soft serve there is delicious.
0: So you're not allowed to eat in the bit. there's no food to eat. I do
2: know. Either. There's no oh, that, uh, you can't have to bring you can't even bring it in. You, your you own literally
0: food. you eat outside in a tent. Oh well, then I'm out. I'm totally yeah. out now. There's no reason With like a whatsoever. No, there's nothing, none of that. I'm going to um,
2: jump
1: out yeah. quickly by the way, and come back in. Cause I'm getting a bit of a sound crackle. So give me one. Second.
0: A sound crackle. Eh? Yeah. So I was talking to, uh, I was talking to, uh, Andy last week and I'm like, Hey, what should we, what should we do? Like we have these, these production meetings. We take this very seriously. We have production meetings. and I'm saying like, what should we talk about? I'm like, Hey, you know, we should probably get somebody on to talk about the hot like hot stove. um and Andy, genuinely, not just because it's a pandemic um and time is meaningless, as we've been discussing, says, "Is that happening right now because <laughs> nothing has happened no. Um, well, like, like I knew that, for example, and we're going to
1: get into this, the Padres had made a few moves and, and right. you know, there, I, I knew that obviously the Mets made a, a massive deal. What right. I didn't realize is like, okay, cause I've lost all sense of time and perspective. I'm like, oh, it's January. That's hot stove, right. That's what is, it's supposed to be. But like, I'm like, is it still hot stove? Has anything changed during the pandemic era? Like. Does this all line up the same? What the hell are winter meetings at this point? Like I it didn't yeah. really dawn on me like, oh, we're we're doing that. That's what's happening right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, that used to the winter meetings used to be like the place to go to if you were a baseball. If you were just trying to get into baseball, you went to the winter meetings and you tried to talk to everybody, and that's how you could somehow like get a job out of it. Now it's just, it's empty. I mean, there, this doesn't happen. And really nothing has changed besides, yes, the Padres did make a couple of good moves and the Mets made a fantastic move for Francisco Lindor, but we're only seeing really, really tiny things otherwise. And it's, it's kind
0: of crazy. All right, it's, let's, let's, the we, there are a few things, there are a few things we want to get to with baseball, including uh, Tommy Lasorda and this money that. thing or whatever, but let's actually start with like the competitive stuff. So the Padres get, Blake Snell and you Darvish. Right. They sign Ha Sung Kim, who we know because Andy and I, like everyone, were uh, huge fans of Korean baseball for yeah. three weeks last year. Uh, and, <laughs> one
2: game. Watch one game.
0: <laughs> and I, unfortunately he is not one of the people that I remember. I don't know if I saw any of his games, but like, you know, you add that to Machado and to tease and they've got, you know, Clevenger and Paddock and like, how good is San Diego now? Are they are they are they better than the Dodgers? Close to as good as the Dodgers? What are we looking at here? So let's,
2: let's just hold off for just a second. <laughs> nice. Look at Bergman <laughs> already getting upset. set. Just a question. question. Dodgers, yes, the Padres are a good team. They were a good team last year, and yeah, they added some pitching, and they added they added they added good pieces. They did a good job of doing that. Mike Clevenger is still not going to pitch next year. He has an injury. He's going to be out. He has Tommy John. He's done it for the year. Danielson Lemet was their best pitcher last year, and he's kind of having some issues, from what I'm understanding, because he got injured right before the playoffs as well. and didn't pitch in the playoffs. Adding Blake Snell and adding Yu Darvish is huge. I don't really think the Yu Darvish deal is going to make that much of a deal, not much of a difference. I think he can still be had. Understand? Him. They, I, I don't think that's going to make some gigantic. Deal like it did for with the Cubs where he was a Cy Young candidate. Blake Snell was really, really good. But, like, let's think about this for just a second. He got pulled after five innings, even though he was pitching fantastically in the World Series. Because there was a reason why he got, he got pulled after five innings. That was where he belongs. Where they've decided that he does not pitch well after five innings. And I mean, he gave up a hit to Austin Barnes, but he was, he, I was afraid of him, not getting to lie, but is, are they better than the Dodgers? No, no. The Dodgers just won the world series. They're the best team in baseball. They've been the best team in baseball for the last couple of years. They're a really, really good team. Mookie Betts makes them that much better. And everybody's still there. They brought back basically everybody. And I mean, we're still waiting on Justin Turner, but if they don't bring back Turner, They'll bring somebody else in that's going to take over that spot, or they're going to bring somebody up to do it for him. And it's they're going to be just fine. That team, top to bottom, is the best team in baseball. And it's not going to change just because they sign a couple pictures.
1: Um Go ahead. Okay. There, there's there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, uh, because Greg, as you know, I always do my baseball research and look up the numbers for you. Because going back Thank like you. three or four years ago, you one time uh, thought I was unprepared to talk baseball, and therefore I've <laughs> since overcompensated every single good. time you we were ever on. Um, but I was looking up. There's a piece um, on MLB.com, and they pointed out at FanGraphs Dan Simbarski uh, ran the He's Zips projections. Yeah, he is a good writer. Uh, taking into account the recent transactions of the, the Padres, old
0: Zips projections.
1: The old oh, Zips usually I pretty don't...
2: good. Those are good. Those are good projections the... usually.
1: I don't remember what zip stands for, but anyway, the results, George zip, the results were a tie atop the NL West between the Dodgers and the Padres. Both projected Greg to finish 98 and 64, 98 Uh, and 64.
2: The Dodgers still win over 100 games. But how many times have we seen a team go?
1: <laughs> you like, first off, Zips is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Zips, Zips, what, is what a terrible
2: projection crap. that is. No, <laughs> I mean, look, I understand the projection for them being good. They made good moves. But how many times have you seen a team go full out and just go bring in all these different pieces and really try and add to it and make it this great? They win the offseason, right? And then they're terrible. just Or not terrible, but they're not as good as projected in the regular season. It happens all the time in basically every sport. You know how many times the Washington football team has won the offseason? It happens all the time. Boston Red Sox have done it plenty of times. They brought in Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and Adrian Beltre, and they made this whole big, all these great moves, right?
1: <laughs> and that team Josh ended up Beccia. Dodgers. That team ended up Dodgers uh, West.
2: Yep, sure did. And brought them all over, and the Dodgers got better, and the and, and the Red Sox after getting rid of them got better. So I, I mean I know I understand the teams get they did a good job of bringing these guys in. I need to see something actually happen. They're just to me, they're at they're on the same level as the Clippers right now, and that you just they look good on paper, but that's it. They're paper tigers, and I don't really think of anything more than that until I actually see it happen, I don't believe in it. And that's not just being a Dodger fan. I get it. I get it. Okay, it's not, the,
0: not just being a Dodger. Fan. Okay.
1: <laughs> Ex, explain. Okay, explain the why. But before we you have before we have you explain the why we may need you actually to come out and come back in because we we've isolated the crackle and it's you. Oh it's uh, we we think you're actually the crackle. Release oh, the crackle, Greg. Release. Yeah, I want I want to know what Greg is basing this on because this sounds quite frankly like Greg being a homer.
0: Oh, by the way, this is what I noticed before. Like I have never really paid attention to what this hoodie looks like when it's on. This is like super giant Jedi hoodie. Look at that! Oh, I, I actually before before we
1: came on, I, I, I was like, "Are you the Emperor now?" What the like?
0: <laughs> this is one of those hoodies that's so big. You actually like if I were, I'm like Luke walking in. I have to use two hands to reveal myself oh, as a Jedi. To. Is that better?
2: Nice. No, I hear the crackle still too, so it's probably still me. Do you still hear the? crackle? I wonder if it's
0: the, the wireless. I wonder if it's the wireless. Uh, yeah, it's headphone. probably
2: the wireless. I can find some. I'll be right back.
0: Okay. No. I look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know exactly like how good the Padres are and stuff like that. What I think is kind of fun about this is a they've got fun young players, but this is what yeah, we of those, haven't
1: even said. Fernando, uh, Fernando, right, we haven't even talked yet, about
0: Tatis or Machado who's or amazing. Yeah, he's super awesome. Like he's a reason to watch baseball. Um, and quite frankly, <laughs> there aren't often many of those. It's one of those deals where you're pitting like it's you know what and it's not I'll wait till Greg gets back and asking this question because on the one hand, you look at it and you want to say it's the established brand versus upside, because so much of you know the, the of the of what the Padres put out there is really young. But the flip side of that is the Dodgers actually are a pretty young team. Yeah. The, you know, the core of the like this is it's one of the things that I, you know, for you know, we'll, when when he comes back, we'll ask him, but I don't I don't get a, a sense that there's a lot of of upset. There we go. Is that better? I don't hear any. Oh, yeah, way better. Yes.
2: Way better? All right. There you
0: go. go. All right. So I was just about to say this. So go back to Andy's question though. Um re-ask your question. You got a bunch of stuff that we wanted to to to, to get into just okay. off what you just said. <laughs> break
1: down, break down your rationale for thinking they're paper tigers. That doesn't make you sound like a complete homer.
2: Now, that's a great way to put it. But look, I understand because I'm going to say that they are a good team. I, I just they came into the postseason last year and they got swept out of the out by the Dodgers. The Dodgers are bringing back every single player. Essentially, we don't know what's going to happen with Justin Turner. Like I was saying, but they're all they're all young they're all under 30 years old for the most part except for Clayton Kershaw. I mean you're starting you're you have one of the best pitchers in all of baseball in tight games and in, in important games. Walker Buehler is the best big game pitcher in baseball and that cannot be refuted. I'm sorry. I, every game that he has been in, if you you can go look at your numbers all you want, Walker Buehler gets it done. Yeah, pull out your games. zip
0: now, Andy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Julio Aureus <laughs> came out and he showed you exactly what he was. Clayton Kershaw even looked better than he did last year. Um, they're having Dustin May is has all the stuff that you kind of that you need from a big time pitcher. Even Tony Gonsolin, while he wasn't great in the postseason has another year under his belt, still another young guy. Everybody is under 30 years old, including Mookie Betts, including Corey Seager, who, as we've talked about many times when I've been on the show with you before, that was probably the biggest pickup of the offseason not named Mookie Betts because a, a healthy Corey Seager. And he showed it by being the NL MVP, the NL uh, NL championship and MVP, and the World Series MVP. Cody Bellinger is still there, who was an MVP and and just two years ago. This team is young, good at every single position. There's just no reason for me to think otherwise that the that the Dodgers are going to all of a
1: sudden just fall apart. Right. But that's not the same thing though as the Padres being paper paper tigers. There's a difference. The Dodgers can still be really good. The Dodgers can still be really good while the Padres are also legitimately really good. Like both things can be true. Sure, absolutely. And that's why I keep trying to trying to clarify and say
2: yes the Padres are a good team they are they have they have a lot of good talent around them
0: they have they're a fine and adorable little bunch of ball players yes
2: that's exactly what it is they are a fine adorable bunch of little ball players that until they get out of the division series mean nothing to me I'm sorry I still believe in the Dodgers I still believe that that team is better than every other team in baseball.
0: I will say this and and th- I do think it's an important point because I was about to say to Andy that this is one of those classic examples of like upside versus the established brand. But the problem with that is and you touched on it, the Dodgers actually also have upside left. Like Walker Buehler mm-hmm. can get better, you know, Seager can give better. Bellinger was not particularly good last year. Nope. And if he bounces back to something like he was 2 years ago, that's like trading for another player. And so, you know, they, the, the Dodgers are a rare team that, by doing nothing, coming off a World Series, still have upside. That's not normal.
2: No. And the offseason isn't even over yet. Trevor Bauer can still be got. They could still get DJ LeMahieu, who they're in talks with. There's still plenty of people for them to still, if they really wanted to go out and spend money, they very well could.
0: What is the, what is the, how, how firm are they on the, the, the two ten the two, you know, not crossing that threshold. Do you think?
2: I mean, I don't think, why should they right now? Cause it wouldn't be back to back years. They just won a world series. They can go out and they can spend as much money as they really want to. And they're still all very young besides it. It's all homegrown. So they're not really going out and getting too much outside of like, you know, Mookie bets. They spent a lot of money on, but, I just feel like this might be the year that they can go out there and actually spend a little bit and go a little bit over that and then try and go just below it again then after the year after that because they won't be re- there's no repeater tax. They're below it.
1: Right. Yeah. Justin Turner has obviously meant a lot to the Dodgers, but yeah. he's not like Clayton Kershaw in terms of what he's meant to the organization. You know, Kershaw's mm-hmm. going to end up a Dodger lifer. He's you know, he's going to end up maybe the best pitcher they've ever had, especially now that the whole World Series thing is gone how much how much do you think what turner has meant to this team is going to is potentially going to weigh into the the negotiations with bringing him back because you know he he ended up losing money you know due to the shortened season and all that stuff this is his last opportunity to get paid and you know he's i think 36 correct yep,
2: 36 he's, yep. you know
1: he's getting up there this is his last opportunity for something like that and there will be a demand for him and do you, do you think the Dodgers would be willing to pay a bit over market value just to make sure that they keep him around? See, I don't know. And I do think he – I think we're understating
2: a little bit how much he meant to this team and how much he means, even in terms of the Clayton Kershaw level. He is. He was the glue guy, or he is the glue guy, whatever you want to call him. He has the most home runs in, in postseason history for the Dodgers. He has the most hits in postseason history for the Dodgers. He is – By far, he was the heart and soul of that team. Like everything was built around Justin Turner. Now, to be fair, he is 36 years old. His defense did decline pretty heavily over the last couple of years, and especially last year. And you know, the while the bat just wasn't the same power that he had there. Now, here's the thing: you think that he's going to be under demand? I'm not sure how much demand there really is for him. I mean, a 36 year old third baseman with with declining defensive skills he's not really got the offensive power to really be a DH either in the American league. So unless they have, really, the that's DH, interesting. Even if they have the DH in the national league, maybe there's something there, but the DH is specifically usually for a guy that is going to come in and get you jacks, right? Hit people who runs. literally
0: don't own gloves.
2: Right. Pretty much exactly. So is the demand going to be there? I think I heard something about the blue Jays at one point being interested, but I don't even know if that's going to be a good spot for them. You might be better off going with somebody young that has the tools to be offensive and defensive, a defensive player for you. So I understand why the Dodgers want two years from, from Turner 36 to year, 38 totally understand it. Turner saying, I want four years. I mean, you want to pay, pay him till he's into his forties just because, because of what he meant for this, for the team. I get it, but you got your ring. You got a ring for it with us too. So It's tough, especially when you're going to be blocking somebody that's going to be having – that's somebody that could possibly be coming up from the minor leagues for the Dodgers, signing somebody big. I know Jeff Passan was talking about how if they don't re-sign Justin Turner, then they can possibly bring in DJ LeMayhew to play third instead of playing second. So there's a lot of things that could go on still. I'm not Uh, not sold on it.
1: Okay, speaking also of guys that could be brought up, do you think this coming year is the year that Gavin Lux finally plays –
0: like on a regular basis? Well, because some I, of the, those two things are probably related, aren't they? Well,
1: but I, I ask in part because I'm curious about this. And, and it's something I know Dodger fans have been waiting for for a while. And I remember you and I having conversations about this, Greg, over the years. But yeah. also, too, like the longer Lux goes, even recognize he's only, I think, 23. Yeah, the, I longer, the longer he goes, though, as this hot prospect that doesn't actually come up, I think the more his value starts to potentially go down. Like When when you get talked up this much and you don't actually end up seeing the field, even recognizing how stacked the Dodgers are, it starts to hurt his value a little bit, and it probably starts to shake his confidence.
2: Well, think about it this way. Uh, I'm going to say this. I am a little bit down on Gavin Lux. I don't know if I fully believe that he's the guy that the Dodgers are hoping he's going to become. Still young, not going to just cancel him right now, but – think about this he's had two years to basically take that position take that second base and just grab it and make it his for for the long term instead we've been watching chris taylor and kike hernandez playing second base and sometimes max muncie because that just made more sense and they were playing better and look chris taylor has been playing pretty well and so has kike but is that the guy that you were expecting to be your everyday second baseman for the next 10 years probably not gavin lux has had the chance he seems to be the guy that's stuck between triple a and the majors that for the four a guy. And he just can't figure it out.
0: In, the, in like, It doesn't seem like he's had I, I, this. I didn't know. Deluxe uh, most likely. Is that true? I didn't know that. Um, it, I mean, I, maybe it, I don't Blue, know.
2: I mean, Blue Goon is usually a guy that follows I trust him just as well. Yeah.
0: I trust Blue Goon. Um, and so, <laughs> but like, There's not been a 100 game stretch where Gavin Lux was the starting second baseman. I mean, you can talk about guys having chances and right, but I mean, you know, baseball is not a game where you know you can take. Well, you know, he had 15 games do this or 10 games or whatever. Like generally speaking, you know, if you're going to settle into something, particularly as a young player, you need 50 games, 75 games, 100 games to do that. And I, I I'm not here to say he's that good, he's that bad, but I I don't think he's had that opportunity, is all I'm saying.
2: No, and you're not wrong. He hasn't really had fully had the opportunity, but I mean you can see it. You can see what you're when you're watching him at the plate. He looks timid at the plate. He doesn't look like the guy that was destroying baseballs in triple A. Like he was batting like 380 with like some gigantic on base percentage and just destroying baseballs nonstop. And it looked like, Oh my God, this kid is just going to come up and he's going to, he's going to just take off. Unfortunately, he came up here. He hit a home run or two when he came up. Then he did he hit one in the postseason, and then didn't do a ding thing after that. I, I don't know. I just, I, the game seems just a little bit too fast for him. And it seems like other, other pitchers have kind of already figured him out a little bit. So, I, I'm just I, a little bit worried on. I'm just I just like just I scared. like him
0: because he sounds like a character from Blade Runner. That I mean that's part of the reason <laughs> I, am, I am into Gavin Lux. It's um, a great name. It yeah. is, oh, he is yeah. a great name.
2: Great baseball name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, the it's funny. I was looking up like the rankings and like of like the best teams in baseball, and like four of the five are, are in the national league. Like it's not gonna be an easy sled this year. You know Atlanta, who almost should be noted, almost beat the Dodgers. Should have. And then you add, right? You're right. And then they add, um, uh, you know, you add New York to that, and you know, an owner worth fourteen billion dollars and all that. So if the Dodgers don't win this year, why? Like, what? What will have happened? Like, what went wrong? Like, where are they potentially short? Is it the closer thing? And they re signed Trinan, but Kenley.
2: So that's, that's the kind of the crazy thing that baseball has changed to. And so I I don't know if there's an actual spot that they're having some issue with, but the closer role there, this is not what Andrew Friedman wants. This is not how he plays the closer role. He doesn't have roles for his relief pitchers. And so I think we as fans are so much think of seventh inning guy, setup guy, closer. And that's how baseball works. Seven, eight, nine. Those are the three innings, but that's not how baseball works anymore. And that's not how Andrew Friedman's mind works. Kenley Jansen is going to go in when Andrew Friedman and Dave Roberts feel like the best place for him is. Right.
0: But it makes, my point being, though, it makes a difference if they think that inning is the sixth. And it's yeah. because it's five to three. One Dodgers, and they don't want to put him in a high leverage situation. Like, (laughs) like that's that's when you you start to it it starts to become kind of revelatory. And and this
1: team, by the way, has not been, I think, shy or subtle about making it clear when they trust you in those high leverage situations and when they have. Like for a long time, we were waiting for Julio Urias. Like, you know, is are they ever going to actually put him out there when it mattered? And in this postseason, the answer is yes. Yes, they did, but it took a long time. Like I, the, In 2019, I didn't even understand why he was on the playoff roster because they, they were clearly afraid to use him, and he was just taking up a spot. And they, and they were pretty unsubtle about making it clear they did not trust Urias. Clearly, that's changed, but it's starting to become clear they don't trust Jansen quite the way they used to. When are they going to let Gavin Lux
0: close game? <laughs> <laughs>
1: But when it comes to Aureus, like you got
2: to understand that aureus also was coming off of an injury where he was sure. gone for, and it wasn't even Tommy John; he was out for you know a year and a half. He was out for a really long time. So to just throw him out there in a game, it was weird that he was even on the roster. I remember having conversations with both of you, being like, "I don't think he should
1: even be on this roster." I, I, the, his inclusion in the 2019 World Series made no sense to me whatsoever. Especially okay. as it was going on, especially as going on, I'm like, "They're not." using him. Yeah. Because like, they, it
2: just weren't ready for him. And he wasn't ready. And I don't, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but whatever happened, they, there was a lot of bad, bad decisions that were made in the 2018 world series against the Red Sox. The Sox- season, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, 2019, Yeah. That's all right. 2019
1: playoffs, whichever one they weren't. 2019 playoffs they lost in the
2: first round to the Washington nationals
1: in yeah, game five. And
2: that was at that game was terrible, but Aureus. <laughs> <laughs> Orius was just another one of these guys that he's a starter. He's not a closer. So as much as he went out there in in this last World Series and just dominated for innings at a time, he's a starter. That is not a closer. He is a starter, and they're going to use him as a starting pitcher. That was the idea that they've always had. A lot of us fans want him to be that closer. Like, oh, look what he did. He closed out games. Well, he's also going to – he's a starter. He's going to go six – you're hoping seven innings at some point. So, I mean – Relief pitching is just such a weird thing to be worried about, just in general, because it changes from it year, changes. To, year, so, to, year so fluid to year, year to year, to year. Absolutely. Yeah. like Blake Trining was great this last year, but the year before that he was terrible. Absolutely. The year before terrible. that he was great, but the year before that he was trash. Like, well, <laughs> uh,
0: wait a minute. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. I know. There's a pattern, I'm right? Starting to sense a <laughs> pattern.
0: But like, okay, so the, I have two questions here. First of all, uh, is it possible that Dustin May still hasn't gotten a haircut throughout the pandemic? I would like to see. Like him go out with like like a like a giant braid sort of in the back like that just flies around uh, very Norse like if that's possible um, so most likely <laughs> what what's reasonable from him and then what's reasonable from David Price oh by the way who is still on the team and like in theory is like your third starter or something or fourth starter. That's what
2: you're assuming, right? But let's. This Dodger team already has six, seven starters that they're going to go with. So you probably got to imagine that. Especially, I, I believe they changed the ILs no longer ten days, going back to a fifteen day. So they can't, you know, mess around with it like they've been doing for the last couple of years. But I think David Price is. You're probably going to see maybe fifteen games out of him if he gets the twenty. Like, wow, that's a great season for him. I bet you they they hold off on him. They let him just kind of play that six, seven man rotation where he just kind of comes in every once in a while. And he really doesn't get his full, really starts amping up around August, September. So he's ready for the postseason.
1: What about Cody Bellinger? How, how concerned are you about that shoulder and you know the Dodgers ability for him to start slowly or him maybe just not having the typical strength that he has? Yeah, well, see, Cody, he has he's had some shoulder problems for a couple of years now. Remember he dove in the outfield yeah. and, he,
2: and he hurt himself in at first base and he dove and he hurt himself. And so he's been having those shoulder injuries and then it, you know popping out the subluxing that he's had, subluxation that he's had a couple times in that
0: Nice. Right. You like that good word? Job. I like that. That <laughs> Thank was good. Do you <laughs> remember who else
2: had a subluxation? Uh, I don't remember.
1: Andrew Bynum.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: Andrew exactly. Bynum, that was his big thing. That was the first, I believe, of his big injuries. Was the subluxation?
2: Yeah, it's, it's never really totally the same after that. And that's why he had that light surgery on it, Bellinger. But look, I just I'm hoping I gotta hope that he is one of these guys that is going to come back and he's going to be healthy and he's going to be ready to go and he's going to look bright. Like he's back in his form, this 2018 form where he was a, where he was it was a 2019 actually, the 20 the 2019 form where he was the MVP and he went crazy in that first half of the season. If he doesn't, he'll move him down in the lineup. The Roberts will move him down the lineup, and you still have Mookie Betts. You still have Corey Seager. You still have Max Muncy. Like your your team is still pretty much set for what, what's going to be happening there. Will Smith is still the best catcher in baseball right now.
0: What's funny, actually, is that is Bellinger, I mean, obviously, it makes a difference to the Dodgers if – Yeah, I just tweeted out like you know on the show like you were sort of picking nits on the Dodgers and this and that. Like, is Cody Bellinger's shoulder is not actually a nit? That's a bigger thing than just (laughs) picking nits. But what's crazy about Bellinger is he's so good defensively. Yeah, that even if he is a diminished hitter, he's still incredibly valuable. I mean, he won them, arguably won them the World Series with his glove last year. Yeah, that's how good he was. Some of those catches were spectacular. Between him and Mookie, yeah,
2: it's, it happens all the time, and he makes he just makes the right play in the outfield over and over and over again. So, what was it? It was game four, right? Was it game four or game five that, um, that they got that the Tampa Bay Rays got that hit that dropped in front of Chris Taylor, and then Taylor, you know, booted it, and they had the running the winning run from Rosa Reina come home to score. Cody Bellinger's out there in, in center field. That play probably doesn't happen because of how great he is at defense. It makes a gigantic deal because look at what you're looking at in that outfield now. Now you're looking at Mookie and his Gold Glove abilities in second base or in right field, which he won another Gold Glove and Silver Slugger. Then you have Cody Bellinger in with Gold Glove in in uh, center field, and then whoever you want to put in that left field is still going to be fine. AJ Pollock used to be a center fielder.
1: Oh, Bird Bones. Yeah, Bird, Bird bones oh, together in last year. He's fine. He stayed he didn't healthy play him all the time, but you know, Viva La Bird Bones. <laughs> right.
0: Be- Bellinger, by the way, there's Bellinger. a zero percent chance of that
1: happening. By the way, this year. no, there's. There, I yeah, I hate to say it, it. It feels like cruel, but I I wouldn't count on it. Bellinger is one of those guys that like you really can tell grew up around baseball, yeah, because he, he's so smart in, in the way he makes adjustments across you know across the field, the different positions he plays. You know, he he can basically just do whatever you ask of him. I mean, it, he really, you can tell, just understands the game at a really young age. He, can, he came in with that knowledge. Yeah, no, he absolutely did. I mean, it was his, uh, his dad, you know, Clay Bellinger. So
2: it's he just understands the game. He understands where it needs to be. They just defense gets very, very underrated when it comes to a baseball team. And the fact that the Dodgers had a very good defensive team all the way around, on the infield Corey seager was fantastic at shortstop last year we it does not get enough credit for what he did there after he was having problems if that team wasn't as good as it was defensively you probably don't see the same maybe they don't win another world's that world series if they're that good defensively again this year and they're hitting the ball like they probably should be hitting the ball this next year i i really don't see much issue coming out from the offense
0: do you think they'll make the playoffs?
2: No, no, no. They're gonna be a blow well, with,
0: exp- <laughs> with the expanded thing. Does it matter? you like, need to you check know? the zips first before you <laughs> answer?
2: The Pakota pro- projections. That's the one you need to see.
0: Uh, does it, projections. Does it does it matter like what they do with the DH? You know, like do the, the Dodgers need to adjust their lineup, their thinking, like who they bring in, all that kind of stuff.
2: I mean, probably they'll probably keep doing the same thing that they're doing, if, even if the DH does end up being in the National League, which I assume it will at this point. Right, at this point. Yeah, at this point, I assume it will. But either way, they're not going to go after that just that big bopper to be your center field, to be your DH, because they're going to want to change that out from day to day. It really helps – when you can play Austin Barnes at, at catcher for his defensive abilities and still play Will Smith at the DH spot when, like they did plenty of times in the World Series and even the last, I think, three games, the last couple of games because of how good he has been, to, how good their one is defensively and one is offensively. So I don't think they're going to go away from their style of play. They're going to they're going to stick to that and not go after, like, the David Ortiz-type guys.
1: So, Greg, I want to show yeah, you something. I uh, want to oh. show you something in terms of just, you know, little bit of scorekeeping we've been doing around here a little bit of bragging rights that i oh think boy. you'll enjoy oh look at this right. oh yeah late four night happy one. hour appearances Let's go greg bergman <laughs> four steve mason one i mean it's a blowout at this point right oh it's it's a blowout let me tell you something you, you feel free to pass this along to mace your uh your viewership numbers more than holding their own greg Oh, they're, that's fantastic. They're they're doing very nicely. So you, you should Shuckingly. let... You- you should let Steve know that. You know, it was a little
0: surprising. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not saying we saw this coming. I'm just saying that it happened.
0: So you you should let Steve know that you and know. your mom had so many computers that she could log into at once.
2: <laughs> if you had a, a camera inside of her house right now, you would see how many different devices were watching this. Yeah, we, we've, always, we've, we've always
0: always. <laughs> she's Hugh Jackman in Swordfish. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, we've That's we've a very referred,
2: underrated movie too. By the way, some really it's good it. scenes in that.
1: love swordfish makes no sense whatsoever it's awesome zero sense but Halle Berry oh yeah (laughs) but the good thing though is that one scene where (laughs) they were all thinking of and referring to wasn't (laughs) gratuitous at all no No, totally not even this is the best part of it like oh hey they actually paid her extra for it like basically they worked it out it was like all right we want you to go topless very momentarily here's a little extra money I think she's like all right whatever but it's my understanding that there was a little bit of extra money that went into that, and in terms of money to actual visibility ratio, Halle Berry came out way ahead in that. Oh yeah, she did. Because it did. really wasn't that much. No, what it's and like she three pr- seconds. Yeah, and she probably <laughs> had done a topless scene at <laughs> to that point. <laughs> anyone
0: for you to say it's
1: not <laughs> for <blurring> your boobs. <laughs>
0: I mean, the, I mean, she can make her choice, and I'm not trying to like shame her for being naked in a movie or something. It's like this happens, but it's very easy for the two of you to just sort of <laughs> casually say it's not a big deal. It's not your chest,
1: <laughs> man. Wow. These people. These people have not forgotten. Greg uh, Sausage Jeans is trash for trying to ban God, Michael Thompson. Shout Mason, out to the Cam Brothers.
2: Yeah, Mason keeps bringing it up over and over again on the show. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Radio, I think he's radio, a jealous. The,
0: radio audiences are very strange because they both at the same time remember everything and keep track of nothing. Yes, uh, because we still like. I I had a day. I remember the day that I kept getting angry. Emails and you might even be like, but like all this stuff and like somebody calls up because they thought I was Trudell, like it was <laughs> they thought it was Mike on air. We still get you know, you know things. Oh yeah, I love listening to you guys on the station. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember paying close attention? <laughs> I mean, thank you, but do you? Um, like just so, radio is weird that way It is. It'll come
1: as no shock to you, Greg, that uh we're we're working our next um appearance with Mace to get him up to two. But it, it's, required, it's required some uh, massaging and scheduling because Mace is the one West Coast guest that we've had so far that is requiring pre-taping. <laughs> oh, without, get out of here. Without a work conflict. Any, it's, like There are a couple West Coast people that we've had to pre-tape with, but it's because like they're NBA people. And they, you know, they have to watch like 11 games at once and they just can't sure. do the thing live. Mace has nothing work-related that he has to do at night. It's nope. just too late for him.
2: <laughs> All right, let's be honest here, okay? When the, if you try and text Mace past 6 o'clock, He's not gonna answer you. It's just not gonna happen. So, I mean, even if you text, let's be, let's change. That. By the way, he's four on the air at six. Yeah, no, no, he's not on the air at six. Oh, I forgot. On yes. Yeah, yeah, we we Keep forgetting. Yeah, I I forget too, and I'm on after that. But there's, at four o'clock, his show ends. You cannot get a hold of him after that. It's over. It's done. He has already gone. He sat down. He's got his yes guy going. He is in good shape. So, I, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, come on, man. It's for you guys. It's totally different.
1: Right. I mean, you know, it's, we're weird. asking you to stay up to 11 o'clock like <laughs> once every six months. <laughs> and it's apparently a really big ask. <laughs> he really asked you to pre tape? Like, come on. He didn't, come on, man. Not ask us
0: to pre tape.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he said, I'll only do it if I pre tape.
0: <laughs> he, 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 he requested. <laughs> the, no, the word only, the word <laughs> only, was
1: not specifically said. I Ultimatum.
0: would, I would say it was implied. It was not necessarily <laughs> it was strongly. It was strongly encouraged. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, um, I bet you. I
2: guarantee you. I guarantee you that number next to my name goes to a five before that one. That one changes to a two from in front of Mason. It's um, a decent.
0: Yeah, we have a game that we have a game that we want to get to, and and there's a couple other things to touch on. But before we do that, I will. I grew up, as did Andy, in St. Louis. I detested, just detested Tommy Lasorda. I mean, I like I mean, viscerally disliked Tommy Lasorda, both because you know there was you know moments where the Dodgers and Cardinals were rivals um and all that stuff and then you know and and i didn't like the slim fast commercials there's just nothing about the guy that i liked um <laughs> slim fast is, commercials I mean, were great no they weren't <laughs> um i'm like just shut up you pasta eating bastard like you know i just i wasn't a fan I and mean, i wasn't supposed to be because i wasn't here you were a cardinal fan sure exactly um where are you going with this, Brian? <laughs> what I want, though, is a perspective. I'd like you to country. reach this point. <laughs> no, I, the the point is not to, to flag on the recently dead. Because what I want is your statement like
1: that's the setup.
0: No, I'm just saying like I'm the wrong audience. So what okay. i what I want is a better perspective of what a Dodger, somebody who, like is steeped in the Dodger. I like the Dodgers um always admired the the organization but <laughs> i just had to ignore the From 70 afar. something years that it turned out like when lou holtz left notre dame it turned out i didn't hate notre dame i just hated lou holtz <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> no i hate both right. i mean i'm, I'm kind of <laughs> i really
0: it. hate both I still don't like lou holtz um different reasons now but the so, like, talk about that. Just, like, explain that. Like, as somebody who is like grew up in this, and like for whom the Dodgers are an institution, what did Tommy represent?
2: Dom- Tommy represented the Dodgers. He was the Dodgers. When you think about the Dodgers, you think the fr- one of the very first things that come to your mind is Tommy Lasorda. To put it one way is that. My brother is kind of like you guys, not huge baseball fans. I mean, you guys like baseball. You follow it. You were Cardinals fans the whole deal. My brother's from L.A. He only watches the Dodgers when they're in the playoffs. His memory, when he thinks about the Dodgers, and I'm the same way, our thought goes to the same thing. When you think of Tommy Lasorda, you think of him in the 1988 World Series after Kirk Gibson's home run, running out of the dugout with his hands raised in the air, fully straight up in the air running out there because of how excited he was. He bled blue he was a Dodger from start to finish in his life he did care nothing about anything except for the Dodgers and he was the nicest guy as much as you may not have liked him you could walk right up to him ask him for a picture he'd take a picture with you he would start telling you stories about things that were happening he would sign anything that you wanted to sign he was a consummate professional and was very was loved everything about what was happening here in LA he embodied LA the lakers are very much la so are, and so are the dodgers when you think about the dodgers it changes to what you see here the uh, la is very latino area and they just fit they fill right in with the, with the dodger community and especially with tommy lasorda bringing in fernando valenzuela all of these things that he did were all fantastic and so tommy lasorda to me specifically was on the same level or just right there with Vince scully those two are the are the pinnacle of Dodgerness for me.
1: When you look at him as a manager, what were the the characteristics that you think stood out the most in terms of the reason that he that he had so much success? He was a hard. Beyond, he had a lot of talent.
2: Well, of course, there was a lot of. But I mean, that 1988 Which, team was not overly talented by any means. They weren't supposed to even be all that great. But he was a hard ass. But he also just got a. He was like that guy that was the players coach, but also the coach coach, the guy that, you know, he was like a Dave Roberts that could get along with all of you guys, but he also could get in your face and tell you like, Hey, tighten it up, figure it out. Like he was getting like, he would, he would play around with you, but he would also get on your ass when he needed to. So he just was able to balance that very, very well. And he just was just an easy, easy guy apparently to get along with. So, I mean, Look at all of the different things that you're seeing from people coming out. Oral are coming out telling stories. Don Dry – or not, um, what's his name? Steve Sachs coming out and telling stories. You have all these different guys. Steve Garvey telling all these amazing stories. If you listened to ESPN 710 the other day when, on the day that he passed, you would have seen Steve Mason, talk- Steve Mason talking to all these different people, and they were all telling just amazing Tommy of stories. I – God, he is going to be severely missed, especially sitting in that exact same seat every single game. Down at Dodger Stadium.
1: It's interesting that he (laughs) it's interesting he ends up passing almost (laughs) almost a year after Kobe. You know, you're you're within like a few weeks of it. And it's like you you really get reminded what it means to, you know, LA is a is a city with a ton of sports history, and it's had a ton of people who've meant a lot to the, the different franchises that they played for. But then there's this level of people that really were truly iconic when it came to their organizations. And, you know, Kobe was obviously one of those people with the Lakers. And then, you know, you end up seeing Tommy Lasorda with the Dodgers. I mean, it's he's one of those people that is really synonymous with the organization. Like, it's it's very difficult to imagine the organization – just the last, you know, sixty to seventy years without him. I mean, it, fe- it feels like it would be something. It goes back
0: different. to like what is it? Like fifty whatever? Like I can't remember. Yeah, the exact it, I don't know the exact date, but, but, like, but yeah. like nineteen fifty something. It's a, it's a, it's insane.
2: Right. It's, it's. You know, we, we were talking about a lot about it. When you talking about Kobe and with and with Tommy, is that. Kobe was just so sudden, but what he meant to the city was basically kind of – was very much on the same level as what Tommy meant to the city of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. what he meant to the Dodgers. They're very, very similar in those. It's just we kind of were able to see this happening over the 93 years of his life that that Tommy was – we are like, you're almost like ready, like, okay, I get it. You just got out of the hospital. I understand It's it was his time. He wanted to go to Blue Heaven. And there was a great story that he told, and if you're looking for a, on YouTube, I don't remember – how to get to it but he talks about how he wants to be buried under the pitcher's mound at dodger stadium because he wants to if he if there is a a lefty a young lefty on that's struggling to hey just settle down and the, and the lefty will, will look around
0: he's I, like What's i see i on? would find that if i i would find a that him. why a, a a lefty having trouble settling down <laughs> the, the ghostly voice of tommy was sort of being projected from underneath the pitching mound would oh, not settle so- me down. I would not like that. That would make me very <laughs> uncomfortable.
2: Probably not, but get you, I mean, Tommy's sitting there talking, but he's so open with that that he wanted, he talked about how he wanted to basically haunt the pitcher's mound at Dodger Stadium, and I think that's fantastic. And That's how much he wanted, he loved the Dodgers, and he, what he meant, I don't know. I just feel like he's very much on that same Kobe-type level for the, for, the, for the city, but we were able to see it kind of happen and progress instead of
1: Sudden, I just wonder if there's a way for him to make his presence felt at Dodger Stadium without necessarily getting into the like a statue <laughs> or something, you yeah, know. Like, yeah, you want to do
2: that? Well, I mean, like,
1: what look on one hand, it could be a great weapon for the opposing pitcher because that guy <laughs> has to go out there too, and you know, he's here like
2: freaked out, out. yeah, on like I mean, his feet,
1: yeah. I mean, and you know, especially in high leverage games, the psychological warfare, anything goes, but. I have to say, if I were a pitcher on the mound and I started hearing
0: Tommy... The trash that can thing. Like we know the trash can thing is... is oh. So what is... It, if you knowingly unleash... A, a ghost. ghost. <laughs>
2: uh, the, the, the
0: paranormal activity. <laughs> right, right. Is, right. is, is that... Worse than is it in the trash can? Is that okay? Like, What are the rules about that?
2: I think that's okay. And do you ever see the movie The Sixth Man with Marlon Wayans? It was absolutely, <laughs> it, it worked then. <laughs> well, okay. Here's I where I think the line is. I want to see why it doesn't work in baseball.
1: Here's where, in where I outfield, think the line is. Tommy
2: in the outfield?
1: You know? Here's where I think the line is and where the Dodgers the could be, off, <laughs> the Dodgers <laughs> would be off the hook. You know, as opposed to the Astros, who've become you know forever the the lion stealing cheating Astros. Yeah. The Astros were in on that whole thing. Like that that was uh, that was a cheating scheme that they manufactured. I don't think the Dodgers, one way or the other, can control Tommy haunting the mound. Like that's really up <laughs> to Tommy Lasorda. Like yeah, they may really. they, they may be the beneficiaries of it, but I don't think you can really say at that point. The Dodgers organization is cheating. Like, I don't think there's any way that if another team found out about this and reported it to the league office, like, what are they going to do? Well, <laughs> like, uh, I don't think you sound uh,
0: crazy. What you <laughs> crazy? <laughs> but I mean, what's Rob
1: Manfred supposed to do? if not matter. Is the Rob is haunting the opposing. Rob Manfred, <laughs>
2: Rob Manfred can't do a damn thing because he didn't do anything to the Astros. So if he did it for paranormal <laughs> activity for the Dodgers. He should be fired immediately.
1: Well, that that part is <laughs> true. Be fired I, mean, anyway. yeah. the, I mean, the Dodgers are owed this. I'm just saying, I don't think there's anything Rob Manford could do disciplinary-wise if he wanted to. <laughs> no. what, what's he supposed to do? I mean, he can get a priest and kind of like, you know... <laughs> Say something about the
2: mound. I have no idea, but he can't do anything. He's, it's paranormal.
0: Is, you can't. Is he the go. who? Like you start like looking around, like different organizations. Like who would be the best people for this? Like the people <laughs> best suited for haunting the opposition in the most literal sense.
2: Uh, I mean, it'd have to be managers, right? Mostly managers, like Sparky Anderson in Detroit. Wouldn't that be you know the right place for him to
1: be? <laughs> I I will say this, the, the player in baseball that scared me the most in terms of my actual interaction with him, obviously living was (laughs) one time during spring training. And I don't remember if this was in, in, I think it was in Florida, but I can't remember for sure. Probably Florida. I mean, But, but I went up to, uh, one of those lockers where Kyle Farnsworth who is a big guy and also like a, like a martial artist. Like he is a, he's a legitimate <laughs> scary guy. Yeah. And, legitimate and, kind of crazy. Yes. Yes. I walked up to him and his back is facing to me as I went up to him and approached him. I couldn't see what he was doing. And I was just so, you know, excuse me, uh, Kyle, do you have a second? He turns around and there's this plate of food sitting in his lap and he looks at me and goes, I'm eating. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> you just <laughs> run away? Oh, I, I, I was profusely apologizing. <laughs> I was so fucking scared. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought he Please, I,
0: please enjoy your meal. <laughs> he
1: looked so angry at me just like saying, excuse me. Do you have a – I, I can't imagine what his reaction would be to somebody who really knowingly crossed the line. Because I mean that that was deathly scary in that moment, and that was a pretty innocuous interaction. Like I can't imagine that would that would scare the shit out of me if, if he was the one haunting me. No, oh, so you want the crazy.
2: scary guy. Okay, see, I was trying to think of like what would be the just the, the right guy to be there. But yeah, no, Kyle Fonzer would be freaky. Eric Gagne would probably be a pretty scary guy to be down there. So still, well, a big, well, is, he, is still he using? Is he, he
1: using? Well, if he was, because if that, he, if he's off the juice, he's not as scary. I got to be well, honest. Anybody off the juice is probably not as scary. What, is, what does what does
0: ghost Eric Gagne have delivered to the stadium? <laughs> we don't
2: want to know what he's having delivered. That's, st- that's everybody still, else at the Dodgers on um, the Dodger team was finding out about that.
1: That, that, that more than anything else really speaks to just how much these players knew nobody was doing a damn thing about steroids. When you have your steroids delivered <laughs> yeah. to the stadium, you're That's clearly not yeah. <laughs> Got some steroids for Mr. Kanye. Who wants to sign for these?
0: Like nope, you're not worried. You're clearly not delivery, worried. delivery of some performance enhancing drugs. Does anybody who wants the performance enhancing drugs?
1: Come on down, next in line, please. Number five. I love it. like, I'm sure some other players are like oh, I'll sign
2: for it. What's the big deal? Yeah. They were all just like, oh, this is for Kanye? Ah, whatever.
0: Delivered Ganyang. by a guy who spells it B-A-S-E-Space B A L. <laughs> <Like, laughs>
2: I mean it was like, rampant man
0: <laughs> yeah I mean it's really
1: really out there when you're having it delivered I mean that that's as just brash and open as it could possibly be
2: no yeah no what was going on then was just it was insane I mean everybody on the team and everybody like the Mitchell report came out because of that and now we look back at that especially after this whole Houston Astros thing is like was it that
0: bad? Well, this this by the way, are we talking about Kyle Farnsworth here? Time I don't know if he was ever on a list or not, but like Bluegum pointed out, like Kyle Farnsworth was enormous, like he was gigantic. Uh, he, he was, and I looked it up. He was six four two thirty at a time when, like, we when were sort of getting used, like pitchers, especially were not 6'4", 230, Like none of them.
2: You no, know, now that's you tight see, end.
0: Yeah, but like you know, there are guys like half the Yankees lineup is six four two thirty.
2: 230. <laughs> yeah. but, if you look up Aaron Judge, I bet Aaron Judge is right around there.
0: Oh, Aaron Judge is six seven. I think is not it?
2: Yeah, he? he's a, he's a gigantic dude too. So I mean, like, that's just who they are.
0: But like no, back in you know 2002, 6'7", 282
2: for Aaron Judge.
0: Fuck me, <laughs> <laughs> that's really big. But like 282? 282? Nope, there were not pitchers who were six four two thirty back then. Like that no. was not a thing. No. And I'm, not, I'm not I'm not trying to accuse Kyle Farnsworth of cheating, uh although he was salty. Uh, <laughs> but not I don't not, think he needed to cheat.
1: Yeah, not yeah, every
0: not every angry uh irritable person is a steroid user. Some people are just angry and irritable. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, to the best of my knowledge, Jeff Kent wasn't using it all and that guy was always pissed off. He was very angry, he was but always, like always mad about something if you were a pitcher
2: and you were 6'3", 6'4", you were some big dude, like David Wells-sized guy. Like, you were either, like, 200-something pounds that was just, like, fat. And not, <laughs> and not not like Kyle Farnsworth, who was jacked at that time.
1: <laughs> Jamarcus McQueen. I just door some Balco. It'll be here in 40 minutes. <laughs> like, it's a name for You can, you can like follow Balco. it. You can,
2: actually, you can actually watch the car going to Dodger Stadium. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so uh, as we mentioned before, we've got a game, and uh, we were talking before about everything Tommy Lasorda meant to the Dodgers and just the the legend that he created with that organization over 70-plus years. And I wanted to do a game around Tommy Lasorda, but I had to do this in a very specific way because otherwise it would be just unfair. landslide. Yeah, it would be a landslide if it was about Tommy Lasorda and baseball and the Dodgers. Greg would crush Brian. So what I did is I took a stroll through Tommy Lasorda's IMDb page. Oh, no. And we are going to do some Tommy Lasorda IMDb trivia. Um, Greg, you've been through these games before. Uh, they're not going to be your name is your buzzer. You're both going to oh, get the man. opportunity to answer everything. So we do. That, uh, that is one-tenth of a point for Brian. Right. We begin, <laughs> which show did Tommy Lasorda make his scripted television debut, according to IMDb. Tommy Lasorda, by the way, has one hell of an ID- IMDb page. Which really? show did he make his scripted television debut? Was it on Chips, Fantasy Island, Heart to Heart, or Police Squad? Brian goes first. He, by the way, he appeared I love on...
0: I the f- idea. Was he actually on Fantasy Island? He appeared Island? on I love all... the
1: idea of him being he, on Fantasy Island. He appeared on all four of these shows. I, right. I want to know when no the last
2: the episode of the latest one of this ended. Was it like nineteen eighty five, the last
1: the time? La- this- the <laughs> last <laughs> was born in 83. Off the top of my uh, off the top of my head, the last show Tommy Lasorda appeared on. Uh, I believe it was an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond in Jeez.
0: 1997. Uh, my, understanding, my understanding is he played Lee Atwater in Little Devil. <laughs> 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 All
2: right. So is
0: Brian going first on this one? Yes, or? Brian's going first. So you're saying Fantasy Island? Yes. I, I mean, I wanna, I'm going to LeVar ball that into existence. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with heart to heart. Oh,
1: Brian, speaking it into existence. Yeah, Fantasy Island. He was in a 1978 <clears throat> 1978 episode called Superstar Slash Salem. Appeared alongside Steve Garvey, Fred Lynn, and the Brett brothers. Also Leslie Nielsen and Gary Burkoff, who played Radar O'Reilly on. R-
0: side note: I just every time his name comes up, I do feel it's necessary to mention how different eras have been. Steve Garvey was a sex symbol yeah, not, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> like, it in a big way steve garvey we lived in an era where steve garvey was a sex symbol okay in 1980 tommy lasorda appeared
1: on an episode of he <laughs> <laughs> did not expect, i did not expect to learn this but it's true do you tell a joke I don't know. <laughs> okay. the IMDb, he was good at telling jokes. The IMDb <laughs> was not that. Apparently, he did a shit ton of TV. Somebody liked him. He was a funny guy. How many total seasons did he Haw run? <laughs> 15, All right. 15, 18, 23, or 26? Greg goes first.
0: There's a okay. lot of Hee Haw, even in its yeah. lowest number. That's a lot it's, of Hee
1: I
2: can't imagine it's in those high 20s because no show's run that long.
1: 15,
2: 18,
1: 23, 26. I'm
0: going to go 18. Brian, I'm going to say
1: 21. Uh, that's not an option. <laughs> 23 is on there. You will say, say 23. 23. <laughs> yeah, 26. It was first run wow. on CBS 1969 and 1971, then in, in, in syndication 1971 and 1993, then TNN, the National Network, Brian, 1996 to 1997. So Brian's still up one nothing.
0: Tommy was right for a show on TNN. I know you did. In That's 1980,
1: a 1980, a big year for Tommy Lasorda on TV, he also appeared as himself <laughs> on the Tony Tennille show, a variety show hosted by Tony Tennille of the Captain and Tennille fame. Ah. Was, yes, okay, got it. Now love Will Keep Us Together, uh, Muskrat Love. She was, of course, married to the captain. What is the captain's real name? Daryl oh, Dragon. Captain. Sorry, Greg. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: You actually
1: know this one. That's oh, I do know this. Yeah, absolutely. Daryl Dragon, Brad Bird, Lawrence Lamb, or Harold Hawk. Brian goes first. Brad Bird is a director. Um, his well, name you didn't have. To, you did not have to tell Greg that he may not have known. I, his I, name I is Brad Daryl person. Dragon. Well, I'm going to go with. him. I mean, I don't know so that this his,
0: one. I don't know one. if that's his Christian name, it's but good. his name is Daryl Dragon.
2: Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Brian. It Girl is Dragon. actually
0: Daryl
1: Dragon, and that <laughs> hey, is actually... Hey, I got
0: actually, a point! <laughs> that is his you can call him the captain, but his name is
1: Daryl Dragon. Uh, Tony Tennille, by the way, sung the national anthem that year at the 1980 All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium. He a guy. Right. Um, Tommy Lasorda appeared in the sequel to Homeward Bound, where two lovable dogs and a cat get lost. I saw that. <laughs> and they go on an adventure. In the sequ- he was in the sequel, which was called mm-hmm. Homeward Bound 2, Lost in Blank. What city were they lost in? Lost in an Italian restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Were they lost in Boston, Maui, New York, or San Francisco?
0: Greg goes first. New York. Brian. Nobody ever calls a movie Lost in Boston. Um, (laughs) It would rhyme, though. It would. I'm going to say Maui.
1: Ah, they were lost in San Francisco and Tommy oh Lasorda. Oh my God, I've
2: seen this. How did I miss that?
1: He voiced a, dog, so disappointing. voiced a dog named Lucky Lasorda. Which Rodney Dangerfield vehicle does Tommy Lasorda appear in? Meet Wally Sparks, Easy Money, Ladybugs, or Back to School? Brian goes first. I know this Ooh. answer, I think. Ladybugs. <laughs> Easy Money. Pretty sure it's Ladybugs. It is Ladybugs. Yeah. He appeared as a coach. Um, I can't I forgot to write it down. He is a coach in yep. Ladybugs. I remember that. Movie. Um, not a good movie, but no. he is in it. Meet Wally uh,
2: Sparks, on the other hand, very funny movie.
1: I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Oh, that.
2: yeah, that's a good one. You should watch that one. I don't know if it holds up, but it was very funny. <laughs> I'm
1: guessing out. it doesn't. Uh, which WrestleMania did Tommy Lasorda appear in? WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 4 or he never appeared in a WrestleMania? Brian goes first. Ooh, like a trick
0: question? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Two, three, Three. four, or or none. none. I'm going to say three.
2: Greg? Uh, I'm going to go two, because his number was two.
1: Greg, whatever the hell rationale, he was (laughs) in WrestleMania two. You may recall that year, The uh, main event was Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy steel cage match for the WWF heavyweight championship. Tommy Lasorda. Wait,
0: what was Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy?
1: King Kong Bundy in a steel cage match.
0: All right, hold on one second. Uh
1: Okay, keep going. All right. Tommy Lasorda apparently loved wrestling because he also appeared in an episode of WWE Raw in 1994 entitled Danger, Heartbreak Ahead. According to... (laughs) According to IMDb, which popular LA sports legend also appeared in this episode? I don't know whether or not they actually wrestled, just to put that out there. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, Mike Piazza, or Eric Dickerson? Greg goes first. Kareem Shaq Piazza Dickerson. What year was it? 1994. Kareem Shaq. Oh, God, I kind of want to go with Kareem, but the Mike
2: Piazza connection makes a lot of sense, and he's got that mustache. I'm going to go Piazza.
1: I'll say Dickerson. Oh, Greg, you should have trusted yourself. It's Kareem, Ah! which feels really odd, but (laughs) (laughs) very strange. But Kareem was there. It was an episode where the Bushwhackers took on Well Done, and the British Bulldog – took on Jer- Jeff Jared, and there was a special King's Court featuring Shawn Michaels. Also, Gerald Ford appeared as himself. No word <laughs> as to whether or not he wrestled. Uh, which late-night talk show did Tommy Lasorda have the most appearances, according to IMDb? David Letterman, either incarnation, but taken separately, but either incarnation. The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. The Tonight Show with Jimmy Kimmel or Arsenio Hall. Letterman, either incarnation, but taken separately. Leno, Kimmel, Arsenio Hall. Brian goes first.
0: I don't think this is the right answer, but I want to live in a world where it is. I want to know, I want to, I I want to like believe that Tommy Lasorda appeared like. 33 times on the Arsenio (laughs) Hall show. (laughs) (laughs) They're the original odd couple.
2: I know he was on Letterman.
0: He's on all of these, by the way. He
2: was on
1: all of these. There's definitely on,
2: but I think isn't Leno out here. wasn't Leno here in
1: LA. Yes. I, because of that, I think I'm going to go Leno. Ah, it's Jimmy Kimmel. He was on three times. Jimmy Kimmel. He was twice with Letterman on either incarnation. Twice with Leno, twice with Arsenio Hall. Wow. But three times with Jimmy Kimmel. Greg is up three to two. But as luck would have it, <laughs> randomly, this last question <laughs> is worth two points. So Brian has the opportunity to steal. Which classic cartoon did Tommy Lasorda lend his voice in? Bugs Bunny, The Pink Panther, The Smurfs, or Scooby Doo? Bugs Bunny, Pink Panther, The Smurfs, or Scooby-Doo? Brian goes first.
2: I had a thought before this all happened. I'm going to say
0: Scooby-Doo. See,
2: I want to give you a chance. I was thinking Scooby-Doo also. That was where my first thought was. before Well, really, Greg doing...
0: should have gone first. But that's oh, what yeah, I, mean.
2: I should have. Yeah, but so it doesn't matter. I'll say something different just so there will be a winner. Um <clears throat> It was Scooby-Doo, what were the other three?
1: Uh, Scooby-Doo, the Smurfs, Pink Panther, Bugs Bunny. Man, I'm pretty sure it's Scooby-Doo because they always had athletes on. But I'll just say
2: um, Bugs Bunny.
1: Ah, it's the Pink Panther. No. Tommy Lasorda did a really? movie. Pink Pan- yes. Uh, there's a lot uh, that was really surprising about Tommy Lasorda's IMDb, including <laughs> just how extensive it is. But Greg squeaks hey, out the victory 3-2 to two on Tommy Lasorda Trivia. What happened? Brian, wow, but yes, Brian is a really bad loser. <laughs> yeah, he's like, screw this. He beat me again. I'm
2: out of here. Brian, <laughs> I think I won last time, too. Yeah.
1: Wow. I yeah, Brian lately has been losing, so maybe the, this is uh he's starting to take this really difficult. Yeah, he's just not very happy about it, but that's okay. No,
0: no, I he got, is not. He really that wasn't on me on leaving in protest. Nice. I was looking for oh. I wanted to see if I could find it. His Pink Panther episode, yeah. That, that, boy, that's a deep cut. If you, can, if,
1: you can, if you can manage to find Tommy Lasorda doing the Pink Panther in like five seconds on YouTube, my God, you're good at this.
0: I, the answer is no, I couldn't. I can't hear
1: you. you, can't. I, can't hear, you know, I can't hear Brian. It's all broken up now. Uh, Brian, was, uh, Brian was attempting to find Tommy Lasorda's appearance on the Pink Panther, which feels awfully ambitious in about five seconds.
0: I hit the wrong button. It happens. I got it.
1: Um, but yeah, he, he was on the pink Panther go figure. Um, and like we talked about more appearances on Kimmel than anything else.
0: Well, do you, Andy, do you want to say goodbye then? Because Greg can't hear me. Uh,
2: I can can hear it now. I got (laughs) everything. I didn't find the Tommy Lasorda pink Panther YouTube video. I tried.
0: No, it's hard to find. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> Andy's right. It's hard to find. <laughs> um, Our oh, well, dude. It was good to see you. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks both we, of you. Thanks for really prefer, and we didn't even get in like the the fact nobody's spending money because I guess people don't have any. I guess in baseball that's where oh, we're, yeah. But like, like for for nothing happening, that was like a robust Dodgers conversation. The first one we've had this winter. So thank you.
2: Yeah, of course, it was fun. I mean, I, I'm sorry that I had to sound like a homer about the Dodgers real fast.
1: And
0: not so much uh, we we, we, <laughs> was, we sort of anticipated that might happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, be, I wonder why. <laughs> you didn't actually uh, shock us with that reaction, Greg. You know, we we, we we've met I, you before.
2: Right, exactly.
1: Well, I got to stay true to
2: myself. You know what I mean?
1: So, no, absolutely, man. Uh, look, at, look
2: at this Jedi-looking guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously,
0: he look he looks like the Emperor right now. I do. Yeah, it's a, it's a very emperor look. Uh, where does it matter that? Like, I, I, like I'm auditioning for a, an album cover on Spinal Tap.
1: <laughs> actually, you look like you're auditioning to do like a Unabomber movie,
0: or like I'm wearing. I kind of like look like I'm up. wearing the Sorting Hat yeah, Harry if goes, There you oh, go. There. Does
1: it point up
2: there? I if I, it has to drop over though. That's like right. Ooh,
1: look at these fighting words from Blue Goon eighty two. Bergman oh, is the most legit Dodger fan at the station.
2: That's just facts. Thanks, Goon. Yeah, le- that is most legit
1: Dodger fan, and up four to one over Mason, the other big Dodger fan. So look at everything's coming up. That's Bergman, he won, he won the trivia. It is all Greg Bergman. Where can people hear you most on the? I uh, can hear
2: me on. Um, you can hear me the most, not as much as before, but Sedano and LZ from four to seven p.m. Right after Mason Island.
1: Cool. You enjoying working <laughs> with those guys? Yeah, it's good. It's great. It's a lot of <laughs> fun. Those, everybody. Are we eh, still on, eh, Off, off of the, record? Eh. <laughs> <On> the record. <laughs>
0: on the record. Is this being
1: recorded? Off. <laughs> uh, it's no, great. They're fun. They're a lot of fun. It's fantastic. I will
2: I never say it. anything bad about anybody, except <laughs> sure. Mason. Maybe Mason. Yeah. I, I
0: enjoy great. working with LD <laughs> and George every weekday on seven ten well <laughs> ESPN. Done. Yeah, that's exactly what I had written Um, down. (laughs) It was excellent to see you. (laughs) You Uh, too, guys. We will will do this again. And uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, football with uh, Kirk Morrison. We're just sticking around the station. Um, Kirk Morrison, who's uh, obviously part of the pre- and post-game show uh, for the Rams, will be on breakdown the game we just saw and the game that we will see. Uh, And uh, Wednesday, we're going to get back to wrestling. We were going to do this last week uh, before events uh, intervened. Uh, Bill Hanstock is going to join us on Wednesday, we're pretty sure we know what's coming for the rest of the week. But we're just going to make sure we confirm everything, and then we'll tell you. Uh, in it's the meantime, we'll... yeah, exactly. Actually, it's better to just tell them who's coming. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, if it's know. truly, it's
1: truly not confirmed. We think no. it's happening, but it's not confirmed, and we don't want to put somebody out there or put ourselves out right, there.
0: But Barack Obama is like a big
1: <laughs> deal. <laughs> Right. And unfortunately, unfortunately awesome. the recent events in the country and that it might be difficult for a former president to come on with us, but but he hasn't
0: said no yet. We just haven't gotten a firm yes. Still haven't figured out, too, if we have Joe Biden confirmed for the 20th. We're working on it, but we're not sure. would be the best day you could. We're angling. Yeah. He That's says he's true. busy. We're not sure. Uh, all right, we'll see everybody tomorrow. Dank a on.